The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. And a Carlo story that went ironically viral this week. The Southeast Technological University in Carlo is offering Ireland's first influencer degree, a Bachelor of Arts in Content Creation and Social Media will be on offer at Southeast Technological University's Carlo campus from next September. Even this morning on ITV, we're talking about it. In fact, this is what Ben Shepherd and British journalist Nick Ferrari had to say about the new course. And I have to say, when I heard Har- Carlo, I really went back. It really, oh, and now I've lost it. Hold on one sec, Eleanor. I clicked on the wrong TikTok thing. Hold on. Uh, we talked about SETU, Carlo, it was great to hear Carlo being mentioned in the UK. Here's what they had to say. University in Ireland is set to offer a new degree in social media influencing. A Bachelor of Arts in content creation and social media is being offered from Southeast Technical University in Carlo. It's going to open for applications in November of this year. I think, Nick, it's a real reflection of the shifting landscape when it comes to options, when it comes to university. Lots of people saying it's a Mickey Mouse degree. From my perspective, I think this is a really fascinating and interesting opportunity for the young people that want to go and do it. I agree. Well, well, let's look at the, the, the pounds, shillings and pence, or the pounds and pence behind this, shall we? And, you, and thank you to your team that's provided the figures. Since 2019, which is not that long ago, the influencer sector has doubled in value globally and is worth some 12 to 14 billion pounds. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, there are a lot of young people going to universities and colleges now in industries that don't get anything like that amount of money. To someone like me, I mean, I do understand what social media influencers are, I understand what they do, it would have no interest to me. But if this actually sets a young man or a young woman or young men and young women on a career, and that's a lot of money, and this is a relatively new industry, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, what a load of nonsense, this is like uh, degrees in skateboarding or surfboarding, or whatever. Actually, I can see there's merit for this, I genuinely do. There you go, that is Nick Ferrari talking about the Southeast Technological University in Carlos new degree that they have and when he thanks them Eleanor for giving him all those stats I think it's you and your marketing team that he had to thank really because I'm sure you're the one who did the research into what social mark social media means to industry and it's it's worth as he said 16 billion yeah and that's really just influencer marketing itself the business is is arguably bigger than that globally um, and has doubled in you know two or three years to that size. I think it's reflective of how much time people are spending in online environments mm-hmm. and the amount of time that people now spend kind of through their phones. They're almost you know not using any other kind of device. I know with the students I teach and young people that I'm in contact with every day, you know they're not even really using laptops or mm-hmm. televisions or iPads anymore. Everything's done through the mobile phone, mm-hmm. and I think that's where businesses are now going to as well to connect with different audiences. Did you expect this reaction? And no, we really didn't because, (laughs) um, you know, the degrees in content creation and social media, and that's really quite a broad area. It can involve working for brands and businesses in terms of, you know, making their presence known online. It can also be working with organizations. Um, And then also, obviously, there is an aspect of that that's about individual influencers and how they build their own um, kind of celebrity and, and, uh, their own way of branding themselves in online environments. But the influencer word seems to have triggered quite a lot of interest in what we were doing. So it was unexpected, the the level of interest um, in the degree. And I suppose I saw in a lot of the articles people saying that you will have famous influencers coming in as guest lecturers. Is that right? 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, it makes sense to bring in people who are already doing this and have quite a lot of experiences um, creating their own brand and content Mm -hmm. online. And, you know, another aspect of what we're doing in the course is kind of crisis management and um, understanding, I guess, the kind of environment that um, working online can be in terms of dealing with sometimes quite a lot of hostility and negativity in that space as well. So it would be really helpful to hear from people who are already established um, as content creators to help young people wanting to go into that industry understand all of the both positive and negative aspects of working in that environment. And have you uh, those confirmed? Because it's funny, we were just talking in the office this morning about certain influencers that we know. And a lot of the names might draw blank stares from some people or other people who know them. Yes. It's, quite, it's quite niche, <laughs> isn't it? The world of the it influencer. Is, it is. And it's interesting because, you know, um, if people have a particular interest in either, you know, celebrity or lifestyle or makeup, it could be cars, it could be tools, almost any of those uh, different areas um, all have different mm. influencers associated with them, whether it's video gaming or um, film, you know, it's almost like fandoms, but with particular uh, influencers mm-hmm. that people are the go to influencers in that area. So we don't really have um, anyone signed up as yet, but we have extensive contacts with different people from different parts of that industry and the idea would be that maybe people would come in and work for a few weeks with the students that we would have guest lectures and then also I'm looking at having more like an artist in residency program where we might have one fairly established um, influencer come in and work with a student over two or three months or work with a group of students over two or three months to really share their expertise. And how interesting, because even when you see, say, artists in residence and influencer, though it's kind of an oxymoron almost, it doesn't really go hand in hand. I I don't think people really understand the work and the creativity that goes with being the difference between a good influencer and a terrible influencer. Yeah, well, I think... I suppose some people become influencers accidentally. Mm. Uh, For some people, it's really about intentionally building, um, you know, their brand and having, you know, developed a set of skills that they can use to communicate with Mm -hmm. online audiences. And I guess it's kind of the second uh, part of that that we'd be interested in collaborating with. Um, I know quite a lot of influencers and see the incredible amount of work that they have to do to mm-hmm. maintain um, their their audience online and the way that they have to. I think you really need to have a combination of creativity, uh, curiosity, and then a certain level of business acumen as well to mm-hmm. be able to manage um, to maintain your audience in such a busy um, online environment. So, um, you know, it would really be worthwhile, I think, for students to hear directly from people who do have that level of experience, work experience, um, developing uh, and maintaining their brand in mm-hmm. that space. So it will be going on the CAO this January, is that right? Yeah, we'll, we'll be actually from November. So it's from already November, on the perfect. CAO, but I guess the CAO opens around end of October, start of November. OK, yeah. good stuff. And then is it a, it's an honours degree, so it's a four year degree. Yes, we have two offerings. So we have a level seven ordinary degree and a level eight honours degree. Uh, So the level seven would be three years and the level eight, uh, four years. Okay, good. And in the third year, they'll do uh, a full term of work experience. 
Oh, lovely. So they'll be out and about putting their money where their mouth is and using all their skills. And I, I, I yeah. would say there are so many companies that are, are looking for content creators. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the things that kind of prompted us to develop the degree was that we did have so much regular contact from businesses um, and all kinds of organizations as well who wanted to communicate with um you know, audiences online and maybe have very little experience of doing that or knowing even how to negotiate all the different types of platforms that are there because, um, you know, your listeners might not realize that if you're making content for TikTok, for example, that might take a completely different format and style to one of the other types of platforms that are out there. So um, I think a lot of businesses would rather, you know, hand that over to somebody who really had a deep knowledge of, you know, how to navigate um, those different platforms and what's required for them. So we had increasingly had inquiries from all different kind of kinds and sizes of business and communications department looking for content creators. So that also was part of the kind of development of the degree. Brilliant stuff. Well, how can people get more details if they're interested in taking up the degree? Yeah, well, all of the details about the degree and what you'll study over the four years um, with us are available on the SETU website. Mm -hmm. So actually, if you just Google content creation and social media SETU, it will bring you straight to the page. Good stuff. Well, that was Dr. Elnor O'Leary, lecturer in media and communications at SETU Carlo. You deserve your feet up. This morning, Eleanor, I'm sure you've, <laughs> you've spent a, um, a week everywhere I went. I seem to see your face. You're on the news and yes. everything. So congratulations. I want to go back and hide under a rock now for the rest of the year. Yeah. Binge watch whatever you want today, Eleanor. It's, yes, I will. Today is your will. day. Thank you so much for talking <laughs> Thank to us you. on the Sunday I'm Grill this morning. Thank you. I'm happy to talk to you. Okay. Too. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. And it is the 1st of October and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and today the the very pink run takes place in the second of its three locations that is Kilkenny Castle Park it kicks off at 12 o'clock and watch out for our very own Beat Fleet they'll be there from 11 o'clock to entertain you the very pink run has seen 78,000 participants from over 40 countries take part to date and it's raised over 6 million euro for groundbreaking breast cancer research and returns this year in both a physical and a virtual sense. And someone who is doing the virtual sense is temporary woman Gabby Seshlock. She has a very personal reason for doing it and she joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning. You're very welcome, Gabby. Thank you very much, Orla. Lovely to be here. Thank and it's lovely to me. talk to you. You're doing the run virtually and we'll talk a little bit about that later on in our conversation. But let's start off by talking a little bit about you because I suppose cancer touches everyone's life in one way or another. And it's very much been part of your life, hasn't it? It has been, actually. Sometimes I have to pinch myself. I was diagnosed with breast cancer two years ago. And I just went to a really routine mammogram checkup, as you do, and hopefully all the listeners do. If you don't, please go, because it saved my life. Okay, okay. And everything was going fine? No symptoms, no feeling unwell or anything? I'm doing really, really well. I'm still on a hormone blocker and, uh, you know, there's a little bit of side effects. But listen, overall, where I came from, nothing to write home about, really. It's, you know, a few aches and pains okay. and you go into an early menopause. So you get like the symptoms. Um, but 
look, I'm doing great. I'm flying it. So I'm really, really happy to be here. Yeah. And cancer has really been something in your family and, and group of close friends, hasn't it? That's it. Uh, cancer has been really with me all my life. Um, my family, cancer runs rapidly in it. My father got two cancer types. My mom had cancer. Um, so it's really, it's really there. So I wasn't too surprised. And mm-hmm. that's maybe why I went to the checkups, because it's so present in the family. Okay. So does that mean that, like, you say you weren't too surprised, but at the same time you went through treatment and everything? Like, how how did that affect you with your, even with stress or mentally? Was that a tough thing to go through? You know, the hardest part of it was the beginning. First of all, even so, it's in the family what we all do, and I think it's 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 the fact with all illnesses who run in family, in a way we always presume it's not going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in the mind that uh, I will be fine. And then when it happened, the hardest bit was the waiting times at the start, because you get the letter that something wasn't right in the mammogram, then you wait for your appointment in the in the clinic then you wait for the result of that then you wait to see the doctor and it's the waiting time and not knowing at the start how severe will it be has it spread is it still contained within the breast and I think this waiting time for me was the most difficult okay time for me Because I'm a very practical person. So the minute the doctor said, look, this is what it is and this is what we're going to do. And that's the treatment you're getting. I had something to focus on. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was the what if of the waiting time. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, because you've had a lot of illness in family members in your life, I I presume you've dealt with grief a lot. So was this like a, a little grief in one way or was it something different? Yeah, definitely grief. And that's a really, really good point, because I think um, grief is very much misunderstood. I work as a mental health coach and I see grief a lot of the time as the issue where people don't even think it is grief. We always think of grief if somebody dies, but there's a grief is a process when we experience loss. So for me, it was grief over loss of my health. Mm-hmm. Right. I had a mastectomy, so I had to get to terms that I don't have a left breast now. Mm-hmm. So there was also the self-talk about what about my identity? Am I losing my identity as a woman now because I have a breast gone? gone or am I still the same person? And this has all things to come up. So there's a lot of loss involved. You know, the, the loss of your daily routines of your life when you get diagnosed and you have to go for the operations and the chemo and the treatment. So there's a lot of grief coming into that period. Yeah, of course. And what about now then, Gabby, two years on? Are you living a different life in any way? Or do you find a certain type of positivity helps you? What are you doing differently? I certainly I certainly live more in the present. Okay. And, you know, people always say, oh, you know, live your life like it's your last. And I don't think we really get the meaning of that mm-hmm. uh, if we haven't faced the the idea that could actually be happening. 
So I think we have to go to the experience of, oh my God, I have cancer now. Am I around in 10 years time? It just puts such a different perspective on life. We tend to run around, do things, even things we don't like to do. We build up stress. You know, there's this all this idea of the work-life balance and you try to be perfect in every form and things really get into perspective. Mm -hmm. A lot of things which I thought were important to me aren't that important anymore. And I certainly have learned to say no. I was very much a person who had problems to say no and I would say yes to everything, Mm -hmm. which added to my stress. And uh, that's definitely gone. So I'm definitely living more mindful. Living in the moment. Living in the moment, yeah. We could all learn a little bit of that. And then you're doing the run virtually. So your fitness is is back, is it? Oh, it's it's back. I was really lucky that I was actually really, really healthy beforehand. I actually mm-hmm. choked with the with the surgeon before the um surgery. He went through my you know, what pre-existing illnesses do you Mm -hmm. have? Had the operations before and everything was no, 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 no. (laughs) And he looked at me and I said, look, beside a little bit of cancer, I'm healthy as a horse. And he actually had to laugh. (laughs) But it, it really stood to me because if you go into a journey like this and it can happen to anyone, right, and you're healthy and you don't have a lot of underlying issues before, it definitely is easier to go to the treatments, the medicines, the chemo. But now coming out on the other end, I'm actually as strong as before. I Already a year later, my last year, I did the very pink run in Dublin. I did it in Kilkenny and I did it virtual all in one week. Um, so yeah, and I'm and it was a lot of fun. So if the listeners are sitting here today and they don't know what to do, <laughs> Kilkenny, even go down to support the runners. Yeah. Uh, the, there's a great village there and it, there's music and it's a great vibe. How it's really a great day out. And so what go a there and support everyone. <laughs> to have it as well in, in Kilkenny Castle Park. So you've just under two hours to get yourself to Kilkenny if you're thinking of heading and supporting the very pink run today. But you can't be there today, Gabby. So you're going to do the virtual version. I'm going to do the virtual version. And you mentioned before that there was support in 40 different countries Mm -hmm. and people probably wondered how can it be. But people join in virtual and just look at social media. And if you want to do it um, virtual, make sure you do your hashtag very pink one so people can see it. And uh, yeah, I'm just going, I'm living in Clomel. So I'm just going to do a, a walk in, in uh, Clomel next week. Lovely. So you have a week to do it between the 30th of September and the 8th of October. Exactly. 8th of October is the cutoff point and you can go to breastcancerireland.com forward slash very pink run for more details on that. And of course, the it's the pink run because the pink ribbon represents the courage to fight breast cancer, hope for the future and the charitable goodness of people and businesses who publicly support the breast cancer movement too. And Gabby, enjoy your virtual version of the very pink run. But today, if people want to head to the Castle Park in Kilkenny, that's Kilkenny Castle Park. It's at 12 o'clock today, but the beat fleet are there at 11. So there'll be lots going on um, throughout the morning and you can support those runners, as Gabby said as well. Gabby, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. I'm so happy to hear that you're not even on the road to recovery, that you are recovered and the future looks so bright for you. Thank you very much, Orla. Thanks for having me. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks, Gabby. 
The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103 and there's so much going on in October including National Potato Day which is this coming Friday. Kilkenny goalkeeper, Kilkenny Camogie goalkeeper Aoife Norris is a fan and she's going to talk us through some of her favourite potato possibilities. Isn't that right Aoife? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> You're very welcome. And um, people will know that's you, right. as we said, as Kilkenny's um, goalkeeper. And um, was GAA very much part of your life when you were growing up? Ah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm the youngest of uh, five now, so I four older brothers. So, yeah, I was definitely kind of reared on the side of the pitch. So, um, yeah, it was a big part when I was growing up. And you're a school teacher as well as playing camogie. So is nutrition something that's very much on your mind a lot as someone who's on the go all the time oh uh, yeah it's just I suppose it's important to kind of need that um, balanced life and just being I suppose being prepared is one of the main things that you kind of have your um, meals planned or prepped for the week and just being organized with it when you have work and training and uh, yeah just being organized I suppose is the main thing do you think that down to the years because like potatoes are, are, are really just part of all our dinners when we were growing up do you think in the last few years that it kind of has got a kind of a, a bad rap in many ways? Yeah, I suppose even just growing up, like it's kind of your traditional um, every day, you're just having some sort of potatoes with, mm. um, with your dinner. But I suppose just recently, I suppose like even the um, addition of air fryers and stuff makes it so much handier. Like now it's just so quick and easy to use instead of having your old traditional style. So yeah, I think it definitely has changed for the good. Totally. And I'm sure there's lots of people who are heading to college for the first time or heading into second, third or fourth year that are bringing an air fryer with them nowadays to cook all those. You know, I, I think an air fryer is what I mostly use with potatoes now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's the handiest thing to, to use for everything, really. It's a one trick pony. <laughs> do you have a favourite way to do your potatoes? Um, I suppose, yeah, just whatever is kind of quick and convenient. So Use I would use the air fryer a lot um, for for main sources, yeah. So are you busy these days, Aoife? What's, what's going on in your life? Have you a lot of training going on or is it mostly your working life? Uh, yeah, we're still uh, fortunate enough now to have um, a good bit of training going on. Mm-hmm. Club scene is just well underway and we're looking forward to getting started in the championship next week. So yeah, hopefully we'll be uh, on the road for another bit longer anyway. Good stuff. Well, listen... I hope you have a happy National Potato Day and we're <laughs> celebrating with O'Shea's Farm and uh, this coming Friday and uh, getting the air fryer out and thinking of lots of different ways to do potatoes. Although in the air fryer, it really is just a lot of chips that I like to make. Do like a bit of mash in my life as well. That is <laughs> National Potato Day this coming Friday. And that is Camogie player Aoife Norris talking to us on the Sunday Grill this morning. Thanks a million, Aoife. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103 and we have a bit of a taboo to talk about now and it is the poo taboo. Now, poo isn't really a taboo in my friend group, but there is a stigma of silence associated with diseases that are associated with inflammatory bowels. It's often seen as a source of embarrassment for many people who suffer in silence. Amy Kelly is the head of communications for Crohn's and Colitis Ireland, and she's also living with Crohn's. She joins me this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Now, isn't that kind of thing that uh, I'm in a friend group that will we'll talk about you know the poo thing a lot but it's not in the sense that 
it debilitates us. Our bowels don't debilitate us. So there is a difference between, you know, the funny chats and the jobby emojis, etc., <laughs> compared to actually living with something that can have a debilitating effect, on, debilitating effect on your life. Yeah, well, I think I think no matter what, it's always important to have these kind of conversations anyway, isn't it? You know, I don't think I think the whole the point of our campaign is to, uh, you know, rid of the stigma around talking about our poo and talking about our bowel habits because they actually tell a really important story of what's happening inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that we kind of miss. Um, you know, we might not talk about it. And it, it's not that you have to obviously be talking about it all the time with friends and family, but there's professionals there that if you're experiencing any bowel issues, um, that, you know, you definitely should go get them checked out. Um, you know, we have, as as I mentioned, the Poo to Boo campaign. And as part of that, we ran um, a, a survey um, just to kind of, I suppose, get public awareness around, um, you know, what would people do, particularly if they've seen things like blood on their toilet tissue or in the toilet bowl? Uh, and four out of 10 would adopt a wait and see approach. Mm-hmm. Like they just put their head in the sand and do nothing. And we definitely don't want people. Yeah. 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 Like and it, I, I can appreciate, I suppose, you know, why people might do that, because some people might be like, you know, I don't want to know. But it's better to know because most things can be managed. And what we don't want is people to be suffering in silence okay. and, you know, those things don't go away on their own typically. You know, you do need medical intervention to some degree mm-hmm. and it's better to know what it is early and as early as possible to get it under control and not for it to progress any further. Mm-hmm. So that's what we really want to get across. And is it as extreme as blood in your stool or are there other issues that you think you should go see the doctor about as well? So for Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, there's a... so. Inflammatory bowel disease is kind of the umbrella term. And mm. then underneath that, there's a variety of types of IBD you can have. So as I mentioned, Crohn's, and Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, microscopic colitis. Um, you could have un, undetermined. Um, so they're not too sure if it's Crohn's or colitis. Mm-hmm. Um, but the kind of the symptoms can that present could be, you know, persistent diarrhea or constipation. There could be things like fever, fatigue, anemia, nausea, vomiting, um, cramps, abdominal pain, um, weight loss, mouth ulcers is actually something that I had. Um, I didn't have the running to the toilet. Um, like probably a lot of people would associate is the only thing with IBD and it's mm-hmm. not as I'm listing here. But mouth ulcers was something I had. Um, blisters in my eyes. Um, you know, there's a variety of things. Uh, in children, it can it can affect growth. Um, you know, and then as I say, you know, there could be bleeding. So, you know, you could be bleeding internally or you could be bleeding just as you're passing your stool as well. Okay. Um, and and, you know, things like that to get uh, checked out um, because with see the difference between Crohn's and colitis is with Crohn's disease, it can affect anywhere from on your digestive tract. Mm-hmm. So that's all the way from your mouth, all the way through to your anus. With colitis, it's more localised in the colon area. Okay. Um, and that's the only difference, I suppose, between the two uh, diseases. So you have Crohn's disease. I do. Yes. And you were diagnosed at 27. I was, yes. And like, um, what, had you a year of symptoms or was it quite quick, your diagnosis? What was going on? So uh, kind of on reflection, I definitely had um, bowel issues, I suppose, for um, a number of years, okay. um, probably going back to like secondary school even. Um, just tummy issues, you know, abdominal pain, those kind of things. Um, there wasn't anything I was getting checked. I did have a condition called urticaria, uh, it's, which is another autoimmune condition um, where I would break out in like hives all over my body. It'd be like getting a, an allergy reaction every day. Um, so that kind of eased itself in my early 20s, um, thankfully. Um, and then I suppose the 
year before my diagnosis, um, I started to get the blisters in my eyes and um, I got them checked out and nothing was kind of presenting at the time. So that was fine. And I went traveling for a few months then. And on my return, the blisters started to return again. Uh, and then I started to get mouth ulcers. Um, and this, the time of the year it was, was like November time. So I was kind of putting things down to, you know, just being run down. I'd also started a new job, a new career on return from traveling. So there was kind of a lot that I could put put it to, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, I, I would give out to my now husband to be like, you know, did you ever have like mouth ulcers before or, like, uh, or cold sores? Because I never had them before and now I'm getting them all of a sudden and um, all of those kind of things. And I was getting things checked out. But as I say, they were kind of being put down to, oh, you might be just a bit run down or it might be this or it might be that. Uh, so I kind of pushed on. And then um, in the February, my the pain just was horrific. Uh, I uh, couldn't uh, turn on the bed. I couldn't put my shoes on by myself. I, if I was driving the car, I um could feel when I was putting my foot in the clutch or um on the pedals. I um could feel it in my abdomen. It really started to affect my quality of life. And I went to the GP, uh, and again, unfortunately, nothing was um showing up. I did like a urine sample, and then I pushed on for a further two weeks. Uh, and obviously, things just continued to get worse. And unfortunately, then I had to present an A and E. Um, and when I presented an A &E, uh, I was actually told I was the sixth person in A&E that night and um, I had a, what what actually happened was I had a perforation in my small intestine oh. and abscess either side wow. so perforation is uh, essentially a burst hole in my intestine and I had abscess either side and fluid was leaking in so I was quite unwell okay. uh, and they in fairness the team acted very very quickly and um, I was in hospital for 10 days wow. getting treatment and getting under control um, and then um, I, I you know, quite early in, in the hospital state. They, it, it was interesting. They they were tying between it's either your appendix or it's Crohn's disease. And, and you know that's what something Crohn's that we do here a lot. At that stage? I I had heard of it, um, but again, very top level. Yeah. I wasn't fully aware of to the extent or, you know, what it would mean. Um, you know, I was one of those people who did think like, oh, it's just running to the toilet. Mm -hmm. And in fairness, the year prior, when I started to experience, you know, kind of like a lot of symptoms, I was Googling things and Crohn's did come up. Mm -hmm. But because it was like, oh, I'm not running to the toilet, I completely dismissed it. Okay. Um, you know, so I was quite surprised when I was diagnosed with it, but also at the same time, kind of relieved that I finally had an answer of something mm. that you know I now know what's going on or I now know what's uh, what's been keeping me so unwell and now I can begin a stage of managing it essentially. So what do you do to manage it? Is it about medication or lifestyle a bit of both? Bit of both, yeah. Uh, predominantly medication, I suppose, to get the inflammation and that under control. So uh, with Crohn's and colitis, you will be prescribed medication uh, more times than not, or perhaps surgery as well, depending on, I suppose, the stage of your illness. Um, I was prescribed um, injections that I would do kind of at the time every two weeks, and then a year later, it was up to every week. Uh, and then just this year, I've changed medication um, myself. So there's kind of, you know, trialing things to see what works for you. Uh, some people could be years on the same medication. Some people might have to change it. It totally is so independent. Like it depends on you and where your illness is at. Um, but yeah, it was. And, and then I suppose from a lifestyle perspective, uh, like, I suppose like anything, you know, when any of us might be diagnosed with any kind of an illness or anything might be going on, of course, you kind of nearly tend to look at your wider, you know, lifestyle to see, well, what can I do? Like, because an awful lot of 
um, Crohn's and colitis, you can't help. No matter how squeaky clean you might be, um, you know, it's an illness at the end of the day and, you know, it's not your fault. It's nothing you specifically did. Um, but of course, there's ways that you can, you know, help. Um, for me, like it, and again, this is totally dependent on the person. Uh, some people could tolerate some foods, some people can't. Um, you know, I found just, just actually by accident that I started doing meatless Mondays and uh, I actually found that I personally felt better um, having more plant-based food. Okay. Um, and that's something that I've kind of kept up. Um, you know, I was a while during COVID, uh, predominantly kind of completely plant-based, but now I started to introduce a little bit of dairy, eggs, you know, a bit of fish, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, but it's really trial and error, um, you know, and it depends on if you're in a flare. So if there's active inflammation present or if you're in remission where there's no inflammation present, you can tolerate an awful lot more as well. Do you know that kind of way? So And you just said flare there. Like, are those something yeah. that you kind of live with that you have to almost preempt that there could be a flare or are they very yeah. rare? Yeah, no, like, again, it's very individual. You know, I know people who haven't had a flare, say, for like 20 years or something. Um, and then other people I know might have a flare every year or something. It's, it's again, it's really individual and it's working with your IBD team to make sure the treatment you're on is working for you. Um, the With, with me, I... Um, I obviously had I obviously had the flare when I was uh, diagnosed and then I was under control for a while. And then last year I just started to feel unwell again. And then we've kind of done a number of tests and that this year and found that just the medication I was on kind of just wasn't as effective in my system okay. anymore. So I just had to try it. And thankfully, there is a wide variety of medication available um, and hopefully more to come down the line as well. So there's always a new treatment to try and um, to keep things under control. Mine wasn't... Um, wasn't great timing and I suppose this is the thing about this illness it rears its ugly head at probably the most inconvenient times mm -hmm. because uh, we had a lovely exciting year in February we moved into a house that we built and in May we got married okay. uh, myself and my husband Michael so that was not ideal <laughs> with uh, dealing with uh, I suppose an illness this time uh, this time last year I was trying to be really proactive because okay. I knew what was coming in down the line um, and you know People are like, you know, you must have been really stressed. And I actually wasn't stressed, particularly with the wedding, because I was trying to manage and make sure that I could actually mm -hmm. be there. Um, you know, so it kind of can put things into perspective as well. Um, but, you know, I was really actively involved with my IBD team. And thankfully now I'm definitely turning a corner, which brilliant. is brilliant. And do you discuss this with people? I know not everyone needs to know the ins and outs of your life, but is it something that you need to make aware in some parts of your life to, to people who mightn't be the closest to you? Yeah, well, I've kind of, um, I, I don't know if it was like part dealing with it myself or something, but I personally was really open with everyone about it from the get-go, um, you know, about just the diagnosis, probably not the, all the ins and outs of it, because to be honest, I was kind of still learning about the ins and outs of it. And even to this day, I'm, you know, realising this, like, you know, some parts of it, you know, this, like even this year, I experienced a lot of hair loss and you know I realized that that was actually the stress that my body was under from the inflammation wow. that that was just another way it came through so uh, there's lots of it that I'm even still learning about um but I'm definitely more open particularly this year um it's it's a mixture between being kinder to myself and you know listening to my body and being like okay you know I would be a doer and a goer and you know happy to do that kind of stuff but then when I'm very unwell I can't do that and I really have to allow myself to rest and that's really frustrating and <laughs> uh, when you're like you know I want to do things yeah. you know and you don't want it to impact your life and that kind of thing but it is important because I know that if I'm not well today um I'll rest today and I'll be thankful for it tomorrow do you know so I'm really starting to understand that so I am 
more vocal about it and telling people, you know, no, I'm not well um, at the moment. Because the thing about it is it's an invisible illness. So the unfortunate thing is you do have to advocate and talk about it for people to understand what is going on internally. Uh, and we do want people to be able to be comfortable, to be open, um, you know, and talk about it because it is it is t- difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely is. Um, you know, it's obviously not a, a conversation everybody wants to have, but it is important at certain times to just let even your close circle know your support mm-hmm. know that you know I'm not okay and they'll rally around you and support you okay good stuff because it, it is a chronic condition at the end of the day look we've run mm-hmm. out of time we haven't even spoken about the seven day climb to Kilimanjaro that you did to raise <laughs> awareness for Crohn's and Colitis Ireland like you've really proven that you know it's part of your life having Crohn's disease but it hasn't overtaken your life in any way and I think that will help so many people who might think they they need to go and get a diagnosis or get more details and if you think you want to get more details about Crohn's or colitis or inflammatory bowel diseases in general then you can visit Crohn's and Colitis Ireland if you just search for that Amy uh, that is Amy Kelly the Head of Communications for Crohn's and Colitis Ireland Living with Crohn's thank you so much for joining me this morning Thank you so much the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. I don't think I'm giving anything away this morning when I tell you that Brian loved the movie that he reviewed this yeah. week. I thought, I think I was, I knew that. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Dumb Money is its name. If you remember the whole Wall Street buying his shares, it all went a bit viral. That is what it's about. Yeah. I and made a load of money off it. Did you? Nice 60 euro. Six? Did you actually? Yeah. You did it? So okay. I felt part of this. It was the first time I've ever saw a movie and I was like, hey, it's a it's a biopic. And I was like, I helped this. There you go. <laughs> I, I technically... It's I'm all not, about Brian. Yeah, it always comes back to me. Always. But it is. It's it's something that, like, it's weird. I, I've been saying this to people that, like, I've felt this... This movie made me nostalgic for lockdown. It made me like, oh my God, remember that... It's obviously set in lockdown. It's set. It's set on real in real life. Okay. And it's the first time I've ever seen a YouTuber as a main character. Okay. In a movie, and like it's done properly. Like he's, like, do you know the way sometimes you watch a movie and you're like they're on a social media called mm-hmm. whatever, and it's just yeah. that's not real. Mota. Yeah, and yeah. so like they they he streams on YouTube. He's based on a stream that streams on YouTube, and in it he's streaming on YouTube, and it's like. It's so well done and like it's not just a it's a small movie either. It's like Paul Dano is the main character, Pete Davidson. Okay, well we have a listen. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm taking two ahead of myself. Already. Let's have a clip yes. and then we'll come back to you. Of course. Yo, what up everybody? Roaring Kitty here. I'm going to pick a stock and talk about why I think it's interesting and that stock is GameStop. I love this guy. Retail traders have hooked into GameStop. I think they think it's a good investment. It looks like there's one guy driving all the buying. Who is this schmuck? Dumb money, man. Happy to take it. Wall Street is betting that this company is going to fail. But if it fails, these hedge fund assholes make a shit ton of money. 70,000 people have watched this video. Titty, I love you! If he's in, I'm in. If he's in, I'm in. GameStop, those shares not stopping. Those stock is only going to go up. When they hit, I'm going to buy you a mansion. Let's drink to that. There you go. That is dumb money. It is out now. Brian loved it, but mm. let's break down why he loved it. Paul Dano, who... Every time I hear that word name, I never know who it is. And then I see his face and I go, I know him yeah. from so many things. And he's always Tell fantastic. me what, what, what I know him from, though, because it's... There will uh, be blood, Little Miss Sunshine. Ah, Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, the Batman. 
The Batman. Yeah, he's been. I haven't seen, you the, haven't Batman. seen the Batman. <laughs> You've seen Little Miss Sunshine, though. That's all that matters. And then my favorite. Just, you know, I don't know what it is about Pete, but Pete. Oh, I love Pete I Davidson. love Pete. Pete Davidson is just brilliant. But you see, he's one of those people now that if he's in something, it's either because he wants to, like, he can be in anything. Like, he's uh-huh. he's kind of the guy that everyone wants at the mm-hmm. minute. And if, he, if he's in something, that's because it's what he thinks is the best thing, do you yeah. know? So it's he when can you, pick and choose exactly these days. like any yeah. actor that's like big enough that they don't like a Tom Cruise, a Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt that like don't need to be in anything. Yeah, totally. If they're in it, you're like I'm happily going to see that because yeah, they care about it. Like, yeah. You know? So look, if you don't know the whole story behind the GameStop pandemic era um, story that went viral, it was led by a nerdy YouTuber. YouTuber, even. I was going to say just a YouTuber, just a Drew, YouTuber, Sarah. And he posted on Reddit, as you do. He yeah. went by the name of Roaring Kitty. And it was all about, you know, giving a poke in the eye to Wall Street because it was about GameStop yeah. being taken over. Yeah. Things haven't gone well for GameStop since. It was a moment in time. It was, yeah. And so basically basically what happened is he thought it was undervalued. He mm-hmm. thought the stock is undervalued. And he was doing a lot of research on this. And he decided to put money into it, and he started disclosing that this is what he was doing. Okay. And other people saw that he would this like this was a good thing, and then they started investing, and then they saw that there was so much uh, companies sh- trying to short it, which means they're betting against it. Uh-huh. They're betting it's going to go down, and basically, it people just kept investing, and then those companies that were shorting it lost billions. Oh. And it was kind of it's kind of turned into like the rich versus the poor in a okay. sense. Why does this make a good story? I remember it. I am not interested in this sort of thing. I'm not interested in gaming. I'm not interested in finances. I was interested in this story. I think it was about the little man making good over the big, uncaring capitalist. And, you know, the amazing thing is, Joe, when you see a a movie with a big cast, like Mm. a famous cast, like it has a lot of famous faces in this. And you're like, by the time it comes out, somebody is going to be (laughs) cancelled. But in and this, is that true? This is the most likable cast okay. I've ever seen. So it's like, so Paul Dano is co- probably like completely uncontroversial actor. Uh-huh. Fantastic. He uh-huh. might be a bad guy in movies sometimes. He's a fantastic actor. Pete Davidson, he just he just goes out with the hottest women in the world. Yeah. So you just got to respect it. True, true. Uh, Vincent Nofrio, he's he's in a lot of famous things. He's like fantastic actor again. He's kingpin. Like it's kind of what his main thing is at the minute. America Ferrero was in the Barbie movie just a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, Nick Offerman who was in Parks and Rec Seth Rogen Seth Rogen everyone loves Seth Rogen Anthony Ramos who's in In the Heights Sebastian Stan who's Winter Soldier in in MCU mm-hmm. um, Shailene Woodley who was in Fault in Our Stars and it's like these people that are completely there's nothing like there's no, I can't think of a single time any of them got cancelled or no and it's like completely unproblematic and they're all playing these like people that you really want to root for because these are people that aren't people that you're like, I hate them. Totally. They did anything. So. Aren't they lucky though? Because there yeah. are likable people out there who, like, you know, Jonah Hill is an example of yeah. it. I thought he could do no wrong and then it all went a bit yeah. bizarrely wrong for him. So. It's, I don't know, the fame goes to people's heads and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it really does. Know, it's such a random, eclectic group of people. Did you go in thinking you were going to love it? I did. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I was, I've been looking forward to this one. Mm. And I don't know, maybe I can just tell at this stage. I've just seen so many. That I can tell from the trailer if I'm going to enjoy it or not, but it's it's fantastic. Like Craig Craig Gillespie, Craig, Craig Gillespie, mm-hmm. uh, he directed Itania as well. Which and I, I loved Itania yeah. and Cure the little can't say it. Cruella is Cruella. another one that he directed yeah. as well. And what I do think is a little thing that I thought was funny. So it's based on a book called The Antisocial Network, mm-hmm. right? 
and it was produced by the Winklevoss twins. Okay. Who oh. were, of course, in The Social Network. Yes. So I was sitting in the credits. Played by a man who's very Army. much cancelled. <laughs> Army yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's not a good... It's, it's, it's a random thing like but yeah. I thought it was cool in the credits oh that's kind of yeah. cool that they they got the, the anti-social network any standout moments for you or any of the plots that were particularly stand out for you do you know it's just Pete Davidson uh, <laughs> 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 I was trying to think of anything else there but Pete Davidson was the guy he's like, the man for you yeah I, I just think he's great like, I think he's great but he has this unique thing where he's just such a normal guy yeah do you know yeah and it's like all the characters have like their little story Maybe and that's why we like him. He's a normal guy doing abnormal things. He's, yeah, he, but he's a normal guy. If like he's just doing what we would do if we were famous, yeah. essentially. Yeah. It's like if Having you're like, crack. yeah, going getting engaged to <laughs> Ariana Grande, <laughs> yeah, who hasn't at this day. Going out with Kim Kardashian. Yeah, 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 I do that. I've done that. Shifting. I can never think of her name. Emily Rashevsky. Er, er, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I or that. That's I'm it. not going to correct you this Deadly. time. Give us uh, some black puddings there. Oh, I'll give it easy ten. Okay. Easy 10. My fourth 10 out of 10 this year. But now you said on social media what your four were and I've totally forgotten them. Yeah. Um, you tell us the four then. So Lego? No. There was no, no Lego this no year. No Lego. Uh, Super Mario Brothers. Okay. That's uh, where my Lego thing came yeah, in my yeah. head. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume okay. 3. Was that 2023? That was only like May. Wow. And then Barbie. And Barbie. And now Dumb Money. Out dumb in money. cinemas as we speak. Thanks a million. No problem. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.